Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Sheepdog Dad podcast. My name is Stuart Jackson, and I'm the founder and host of the Sheepdog Dad. Visit thesheepdogdad.com to read articles, listen to podcasts such as this, and sign up for coaching geared towards men, young men, and boys who wish to become responsible stewards of themselves, their families, and society. Please join us on our journey to protect the flock. On this episode, we are joined by Dr. Ben Ritter. Dr. Ritter is an executive career coach, and Dr. Ritter and I discuss making those career transitions and the benefits of hiring an executive career coach. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm pretty much an open book. So I hope I hope you ask me something that I'm uncomfortable answering, <laughs> but it's not always it's that always yeah. Uh, I better be careful with what I wish for. <laughs> That's always, I think that's always a sign of a, uh, just a good, uh, honest, open conversation whenever we start to, to delve into, uh, to those type of topics, uh, very much, uh, not at the superficial level, but, uh, we'll go ahead and just jump right into it. And I appreciate you taking the time. This is really interesting for me just because I think that career transitions following the pandemic are such a topic of economic discussion and the, you know, the shift of power going back and forth from the employees to the employers and, you know, uh, making sure that the employers keep the employees satisfied and happy while also keeping in mind, you know, with the bottom line and employees really starting to question what is important to them when it comes to titles versus benefits and flexibility. And so I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm looking forward to your expertise as an executive and career coach. And so I think just to get our conversation started, I pulled some data this morning from CNBC. This is according to a 2021 Pew Research study. Uh, Just a few interesting points that in 2021, 53% of U.S. adults who quit a job change fields entirely. 18 to 29-year-olds during that time, if they're part of that changing of the field, it was actually 61% change fields. And uh, 30-year-olds and above, it was 45% who change fields entirely. And so I find this incredibly interesting. I currently work in higher education. I've worked in the public sector. This is going on my 15th year in various levels of education. And I think I heard that the average teacher now lasts less than three years in the classroom, and then they're switching to an entirely different uh, field. And so I guess if we can just kind of jump off there on what you've seen professionally as an executive and career coach on people making those jumps, why they're doing it, and what that has been like. Yeah, I think there's a ton of different reasons. I, I would love to learn more about what they consider changing fields mm. and kind of what that definition is. But let's just assume that it means doing something that they weren't do like doing something completely from what they were doing. And I mean, there could be a variety of reasons. So I'd love to also hear kind of what some of the reasoning is that they provided it in the study. But I could share from my own experience working with clients that are trying to find a more fulfilling career that people are just sick of bad environments. Mm -hmm. And when you work in an industry and you consistently have bad experiences in, in that industry, you're going to blame the industry. And this is actually a myth 
this is actually one of the roadblocks that a lot of people tend to face. So for example, someone that's in education, that's a teacher, maybe blaming money, like financial reasons, not getting paid enough, or maybe blaming poor leadership or administration doesn't care about the kids. Or maybe they're in a school district that is just honestly, just like poisonous and toxic and not exa- it doesn't isn't serving the community that they'd be interested in serving. Well, then it's not the fact that being a teacher was wrong. It's the fact that you're teaching in the wrong environment and place. And then you become basically constrained by these beliefs on what you think teaching is. And so a lot of when I work with clients, we're actually dismantling some of the limiting beliefs that are created through bad managers, negative environments, under underpay. And, you know, it's not to say that there aren't people that are also just realizing the fact that, hey, there are other ways to work. Like I can, I can also, I can also redefine what work means. So instead of going in and having to sit in a cubicle every day, I can go online and create an Amazon store and make exactly what I was making is, you know, slaving away. And so yeah. there's that too, that there are just more opportunities and options from a, a work perspective that align with people's values and lifestyle they want to create. But part of it too is also that we're just limited by our own beliefs and our experiences that we had around certain types of work. And it's interesting what you were saying about uh, deconstructing what the beliefs are, because I've heard it phrased similar to exactly what you just said of if you're looking to change careers, it's asking yourself, are you tired of the job you're doing or are you tired of the environment that you are in while performing that, that job? Is that is that sound pretty accurate on what those conversations are like with your whenever you're just starting out with a client? Yeah, we have to define what our values are. Like, why are we doing the work that we are doing? I'll just use myself as an example. You know, because I get asked this question a lot, Ben, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do in five years? What are you going to do in eight years, et cetera? And I'm known to go into an organization and work for a bit and also leave an organization and work completely for myself. Um, I have different aspects of talent and organizational development that I love doing. So I I love coaching, which I'm always doing, no matter what I'm doing for other streams of income. I love organizational development work. So for example, like leadership trainings, performance management, new hire orientation, engagement strategies. I love that too. So when someone asks me, Ben, what do you want to do? I go, well, I know what I love doing. Now I just got to make sure that I'm doing it in an environment that matters to me. So when I work for myself, that environment means, do I want, do I like the clients that I'm working with? Do I know my ideal client? Yes, I do. So I'm very picky when it comes to who I work with. But when it comes to an organization, I think people need to be just as picky. Do you care about what the organization is doing? Have you vetted the leadership and your peers and social relationships? And so very much so it's first we have to figure out what is it that you love bringing to the world? What is your superpower professionally? What are the challenges that you want to face moving forwards? What's the type of work that you want to do before you retire? What projects do you want to work on? What companies you want to be, you know, within? And then it's great. Okay, so I know I have this information. I know where I want to go. Now, how do I want to do it today? That's the big question. And so with that, with you saying, you know, you know what you like to do, especially inside an organization, the leadership training, the organizational management, and it almost sounds like you'll go, you, you may like going into an organization that needs things kind of smoothed out, organized. And then once you've accomplished that mission, then it's like, okay, where's my next challenge? Where's my next, you know, where's the next organization that needs the, my skills? And so how did you personally learn 
if you can even articulate how you did that, that's what you enjoy doing in the in the corporate world, in the corporate setting. We got to do the work. We got to pay attention mm -hmm. and we got to do the work. So first off, we need to believe that anything we want to do for a living is possible. So it's this idea of empowerment. You have to feel empowered to do anything that you think is possible. Because too often people, lim people limit right, themselves based on the constructs that they have for work. I can only work in this way. I can only work on this project in this way. I have to go to this person to do this type of project, etc. None of that is true. You can make any amount of money doing anything in the way that you want to do it. Now, there's some levels of compromise when you have a manager, a leader within an organization, but you can still flex in a way that most people don't believe is possible. So once you feel empowered, great, let's deconstruct all the limits that we have. Now I have to feel accountable. It's great. So now I want to be, now I am responsible for my own levels of job satisfaction and the work that I do. But how do you know the work that you want to do? So this is where that, am I aware? Have I put in the effort to really figure out, and these are kind of the main categories, what am I drawn to do? So that means what am I passionate about? And also who am I, who am I passionate about serving? This relates to your values, big topic, right? In terms of how to explore, define and align your values in your life. But let's just keep it at the high level of, this is the thing that excites me. When I think about doing this type of work, when I'm around people that are doing this type of work or have this background, all I wanna do is sit down and talk to them or do that work, the stuff that excites you. Other category is what are you good at? So what have you been trained to do? And very often people stay very high level here when you need to get granular, you need to get into the details. Can't tell you when I'm, when I'm working with someone, maybe they're a project manager, like a technical project manager, because I have a lot of uh, clients in that space with a healthcare organization and built a really great partnership with them. And they're, they're trying to grow their executive presence, communication and get promoted. They think that their strengths are just, oh, I'm a technical project manager. No, no, no. What are the individual components, the skills, the strengths that make you good at what you do? Great. Okay. You have that. Now, what do you want to learn how to do? So what are the challenges that you want to face? Who do you want to work with? The types of people, right? That's very important as well. So you now have these, these social relationships, you have the work you want to do, the actual work that you're good at and the thing that inspires you and excites you. Now we get, now we can get somewhere. So with that information, now we can actually figure out where do you want to apply your skills? And so for me personally, just to add a little bit, like an actual example to it, I was working in healthcare, hated my job, super disengaged, was going into work, not to work. And at the time I had really poor leadership, like basically, and this is not an over-exaggeration, people would come to my desk crying all the time and I was the person that helped steer them in another direction and mm. not away from me, but off, off the ledge of quitting really poor leadership. And at the same time, I was selected for an emerging leadership program, which is interesting. It's kind of funny, poor leadership, mm. leadership program, but I had a coach. I had a, our, our director of people, the one managing the entire leadership program across our system of 13 different acute care hospitals was a mentor of mine and I was drawn to him. I loved his work. I loved what he was doing. I saw an opportunity for it with our leaders. I saw an opportunity with myself because I was super disengaged and I go, wow, I don't like my work. I like his work. And so I started exploring what that would be, what that would mean. And now I'm not doing the work that he was doing, but I'm doing a work that is in a related field. And that was like that first spark of, okay, I became aware that this work was possible. 
And so that's where that empowerment piece came in. I was not aware of that choice. And so we have to open up the choices to us. We have to explore what's out there. We have to then explore what's within us. And then we have to figure out paths to take to make it happen. Have you found with that empowerment piece, this is just something that came to me of just listening to you speak about working with different clients with that empowerment, with searching for those answers of not only what work you enjoy to do, but also the challenges you enjoy to face. Have you seen a big difference between generations of, you know, baby boomers who are looking to retire, but they're not, they didn't, they're not financially there yet to millennials who are now, you know, getting into, well, that's me. I've been in the workforce for 15 years. I'm, I've been in the public sector. So now I have qualified for, you know, I'm vested in the public retirement. And now do I stick it out and build that as high as possible versus jump to the private sector and try to secure a second, you know, second retirement to now Gen Z who, like what you say, all they know is the internet technology constantly evolving. And I'm just going to keep searching for different ways to make money on so, you know, could can you speak to just your interactions with clients and just those mindsets and how that is just totally different just in such a short span of time? So I attract a certain type of client. And so my answer is a little bit constrained. Right? I work mm. with senior leaders that feel stuck in their roles, that know mm. there's more out there for work, but don't know what it is, have made decisions in the past to try to fix it. And those decisions have not gone right. They've ended up in the same place. And so they doubt their own professional abilities and success as a leader, as well as just being able to navigate the professional world and need help. So mm -hmm. they need greater levels of career clarity. They need to develop a greater level of, of executive presence to their professional brand. And they need to take all that information and turn it into a job or career move or to become happier where they're at and to navigate it more successfully. So when it comes to differences in generations, you know, it's, it's hard for me to honestly answer that question. Now I've worked internally at, in organizations, like most recently a life sciences manufacturing company out in California. And they all, a lot of people seemed rather similar because a lot of them were from a similar environment, no matter what age they were. The differences in perspective on what work is tended to come from people that had various corporate experiences across the world. Maybe they worked in a global organization. Maybe they worked at a much larger company. Maybe they came from more of an entrepreneurial in, uh, adventure. And so I think actually our work experiences impact us more than our generation. So if you have someone that's really young and they went the corporate route, or you have someone really young and they were really into YouTube stars, like they're gonna have different expectations of work because of their experiences. So I want to almost get us get us away from this generational thinking. The only place that it really is applicable, I think, is that the younger generation tends to be more aware of different choices that are available to them. They tend to be able to navigate technology a little bit more. And so the older generations that are like, well, I don't know what I can do. Well, then because of that, there's less likelihood that they're going to go try to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, and it's interesting you said, too, about a more professional brand. Within the last 12 months, I've gotten much more serious personally of being more interactive on LinkedIn. Uh, I've gotten through friendships. I've gotten 
uh, you know, professional photos done like and not just a headshot, you know, because I got a new job. So go to HR and get a new headshot for the company directory. You know, it's really being intentional of. I used to wonder, like, man, you know, these authors and these speakers and they always have these great pictures and I wonder how they do it. It's easy. They call up a photographer and say, hey, I need some really good looking pictures for my website. And, you know, there you go. It's not it's not rocket science. It's just doing what successful people do. And you say, quote unquote, successful. That's going to be relative across the board, uh, along with, you know, LinkedIn of getting more active online of having a, an actual website that's almost like a living resume in addition to LinkedIn. And so that's just really interesting to hear you talk about that, because that's just something that that I just from observing have seen. That's what I need to do to keep up with. Not getting stuck, and it sounds like that's that's what you you are able to help a lot of people do. Yeah, just on LinkedIn for a second. I love that you brought that up. And even headshots. These are so important for your professional brand and take so such a little amount of energy. Mm -hmm. People tend to stop themselves from taking action because they think they're more complicated than they are. Or oh, you want good headshots? Hire someone. You can even get someone in, in photo, like in, in photography school. They'll take 200 photos. Two of them, I promise, will be great. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you spend three hours doing it. I actually hired a photographer. We were done in 30 minutes. The photo that you're seeing on the screen right now, that was done from one of those photographers. Mm -hmm. And it it's easy. You just go do it. They do all the work. And when it comes to LinkedIn, I love how you said this is your free homepage. It's like a billboard that you actually have in every single city around the world that you're <laughs> not paying for. It is ridiculous how amazing and how many opportunities can come from LinkedIn. Like I've literally built, you know, built my business uh, partially through LinkedIn. And so many people just ignore it because they overcomplicate it. Now, LinkedIn, like you have people that have hired AI, you have people that have automation, you have people that hired virtual assistants. So a lot of the people that you see out there that are really active are certainly not them, which is actually kind of funny to think about. I had someone in a convert as a sidebar, I had someone in a conversation the other day saying how much they loved Adam Grant's profile. I was like, you know, 99% that's not Adam Grant. <laughs> and so it's just because it's become such a business tool nowadays. But then you have it's people so that are paying. Oh, sorry, yeah. It's on. so funny you say that about Adam Grant because I have a, two coworkers that almost every day they're like, "Look at what Adam Grant put out today," and so it's just so funny to hear you say that. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it's not, and I'm not. It's it's not a bad thing. This is just what business mm -hmm. is. There's no way that Adam Grant is sitting there posting on LinkedIn. There's just, <laughs> I I would take anyone. I would take any bet on that. Adam Grant, if you're listening to this and you're at, you're actually posting on LinkedIn, I will I will give you a month of my a month of my salary. <laughs> like it's just like. <laughs> And if, if, if right. you are not posting on LinkedIn, then I want a year of yours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and Adam Green, if you somehow hear this, then hop on the podcast. So that'd be a major get for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have, so you have these, like you have these automated individuals, you have people that are superstars or whatever, but then you just have crickets. A lot of people are not using LinkedIn at all. And if you just post like once a week, or if you share someone's post, once every two weeks. And instead of scrolling, instead of just liking, you comment on something. The impact that has on the ranking of your profile in searches, and also just the visibility of your profile is priceless. And I can't stress it enough. I have every client I work with is like very rarely ever using LinkedIn. 
I've had a client find his dream job through one cold prospect message on LinkedIn. Now it's not always the case. I've had people that are like, I sent some bunch of connection requests out and only half accepted. I go, great. That's half. That's awesome. How many did he send out? And he said, well, I only sent, I, I said 10. I said, great, double it, <laughs> you know? And yeah. then you get what, what's a uh, half of 10 is five. What's half of 20, 10. Great. There you go. You get 10. Mm. So it's, we just got to use it. We got to, we got to stop worrying about how using it right and simplify the things we know are going to help us in our career search. And ultimately not even when you're searching for a new career, but our career overall. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny of uh, just going back to what you said of just simplify things. And that was the epiphany I had about a year ago of, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I just need to do what successful people are doing. So what are they doing? They have good looking headshots. They're interactive on social media, whatever their, their preferred social media is. And my photographer for my headshots, it's a guy that is a media guy that I roll jujitsu with. And so it's like someone that I see almost every day. It's like, there's your photographer right there. And he didn't even charge me. He said, "Ah, oh, just pay me whatever you think is fair. That, and so, yeah, it's, it's just like what you said. Don't overcomplicate it. And doing something is better than nothing. And a lot of people are doing nothing or the bare minimum. So even just giving just a little bit of effort is going to open so many doors for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing I do want to touch on, and I just heard this on a recent podcast just the other day, was a leadership coach talking about attributes versus skills. And that's what I'm hearing a lot of with these career transitions is, you know, skills being the technical side of, uh, of you know, whatever that job requires, you know, like welding, machining, things that that must be learned versus attributes, which is just your your personal attributes of, you know, your perseverance and your ability to, uh, you know, keep your emotions level of, you know, not get too high when things are going well, don't get too down when things aren't, aren't going so well. And just building that team, you, you could have, you know, the best marketer, the best uh, graphic designer and the best salesman. And when things are going great, they're going to be knocking it out of the park. But if they don't have the attributes of perseverance and persistence when things are not going well, then your team is going to crumble. And so I just found that interesting of just hearing that attributes versus skills. And then, you know, we're meeting today. And so I just would like to get your your thoughts on that, if you've ever heard it phrased that way or something similar and how people need to balance those those two items uh, when it comes to their their career and their personal lives as well. Yeah, I mean, they used to call it hard and soft skills. Oh, just, there you go. It's, it's what's your, you know, what's your emotional intelligence, your EQ, the soft skills that you have and what are the hard skills or the technical skills that you have. You can learn both. They're both mm-hmm. something that you, when it's called a skill, I like to call them both skills because you can strengthen all of them. Like confidence, mm-hmm. confidence is a skill. Right? I don't think people really fully realize that. Anything you want from an emotional attribute standpoint is something that you can learn, practice and embed within your life and make it a habit. It's just though like a skill, you may forget it because you're tired or because you're multitasking. An attribute is something that can weaken or strengthen right depending on your mental and emotional state and physical state even so i think very often we just think this is who we are this is what we have like i i don't have a good memory that's not exactly true you've chosen to have a bad memory you know Mm -hmm. and unless there's something 
cognitively impaired that's happening right now. But most of the time when we say, I'm not confident, well, by saying you're not confident, you're embedding a lack of confidence within your subconscious. So I, you know, organizations are always gonna look for both. No matter what though, if you're interviewing for a new job or you're trying to get a sale, people need to believe you can do the job. I can't tell you how many people are like, just, you wanna be liked, you have to be likable, people have to trust you, 100%. They still need to know you can do the job. Mm. Very good. And with, you know, individuals with these career changes and just what you've seen too of, with the translatable skills, how have you seen and given some some broad uh, tips to your clients on those translatable skills? You know, for example, going back to the teacher, uh, the teacher example where, okay, I've been in the classroom for three years. I'm not enjoying this. I need to find something totally different. And so now they're looking to go to the corporate world. Is that something that that you have seen? Because, of course, that's you know, a big topic right now is just put into corporate lingo what you're doing on the public sector side. Is that something that you're seeing a lot with your clients and in the industry overall? It just worked with a resume because I work with clients on career packages, but sometimes I'll do some resume or LinkedIn stuff. And because mm. and, I embedded into my packages at the time as part of executive presence and your brand, working with a teacher that actually was tra transitioning into learning and development. And I mean, you're an instructor, you develop learning curriculums, like a lot of times when people transition, there's some through line, right? Some thread you can follow to say, oh, you do the same thing there that you would do here. Let's call that out. And so it's just framing your experiences in a way that relates to the industry that you're applying to. You know, people like, if, for example, if you use the word teacher instead of, instead of facilitator, you're going to lose them. Mm. If you use the word classroom instead of learning curriculum, you're going to lose them. So you just have to speak the language of the, per, of the industry that you're looking for, and then you can leverage whatever skills you have. Very good. That's uh, very eye-opening and just how simple that you can make the right impact and still be saying the same thing. I know we've got a hard stop. I've got one more question to ask you about industry specific stuff. And then I want to touch on a uh, article that I found on your LinkedIn just today of our reporting on February 24th. So the last question I do have for you is industry certifications for the private sector, such as, you know, the SHRIM Society for Human Resource Management, I believe is that uh, acronym. And then like project management, these are both Right now, they seem to be the hot button, you know, everybody likes to hear that, or it's, or maybe even it's flooding the market a little bit. Do you push, do you not recommend, do you yes or no recommend your client to get these industry certs to kind of set themselves apart? Or is it more of, hey, just getting your foot in the door with the interview and then sell that experience uh, besides having a bunch of letters after your name? I do both. I mean, I have a ton of letters after my name. There's no <laughs> right or wrong way to do something. It's just the path of least resistance. So mm. I'd say the best path of would potentially be like, in my mind, go somewhere and have them pay for your certification and take that certification and go somewhere else. And there you go. Just, That's, yep. <laughs> it's, it's however you want to do it. There's no right or wrong way. If someone's going to hire you without the cert, go get hired. If you want the cert because you're just interested in checking the box and you love pursuing education, go do it. Better yet, get someone to pay for it. So it just, Again, no right or wrong answer. And a lot of times people do, they're like, Ben, I want to go to this coaching certification program. I want to get learn. I want to learn how to coach. 
that's wonderful. Super happy that you're doing that. You're doing that. You can also start self-learning on your own. You can buy the textbooks from the program. You can start mention. You can start branding yourself as a coach. You can start coaching for free. You can start taking on paid clients for coaching. What are you just doing instead of so when when a certification becomes something that's holding you up from doing and taking action and trying things, then it's not worth it. So that's that's kind of my two cents. What's the motivation for it, and then go after it in any way that makes you happy. That's really great, and that's a really great transition to this this article that you had posted. And I'm going to assume that this is from your weekly email. This one's titled "When Everything Seems to Be Coming to an End," and it's so great on it's so appropriate because what you say here is when everything seems to be coming to an end, what should you do? Write down five things that matter to you. If money doesn't matter, and then uh, in addition to that continue with two items that need to be something that you would do for work. And then this is just how you can delve down to what to find the work pretty much that matters to you and then how to make money doing that work. And so it just seems so appropriate that that's what you posted today whenever we were meeting today. Yeah. Highly recommend everyone check it out. So basically there's a, a, a quick intro that highlights that when everything seems to be coming to an end, you know, people tend to play it safe, but and I, I love these three statements. When everyone is quiet, a whisper is the loudest in the room. When everyone is playing it safe, any action seems great. When everyone is saving money, any investment can be life-changing. So what should you do now? Everything you've been waiting for. And then I follow up with a quick activity that you can do for yourself to take action, to do the things that you really want to do. Because right now is an incredible time to do something new. When everyone is hiding away, putting their heads in the sand and pulling themselves back because they're afraid of what the economy is like. Oof, you can you can make some moves. Absolutely, Ben. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. I know you've got a hard stop and I do want to just take you know one or two minutes of your time offline. So I appreciate you coming on and we'll uh, finish up offline. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. episode of the Sheepdog Dad podcast. Thanks especially to our guest, Ben Ritter, for coming on to discuss executive career coaching and, and career transitions. You can find Ben online. You can find him on LinkedIn at Dr. Benjamin Ritter. You can also find him on his website, liveforyourselfconsulting.com. You can also find him on Instagram at RitterBenJ. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star rating and review and sign up for our upcoming newsletter. Visit thesheepdogdad.com for more topics such as this and to sign up for our exclusive coaching service, Protect the Flock. Visit originusa.com and support American jobs and American manufacturing. That is O-R-I-G-I-N-U-S-A.com. Origin USA manufactures 100% made-in-America BJJ apparel, such as geese and rash guards, they also manufacture jeans, boots, hoodies, supplements from their Jocker Fuel line, and more. Use the code JACKSON10 for 10% off all orders. That is J-A-C-K-S-O-N-1-0 for 10% off all orders at originusa.com. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel.